This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 166 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by Equestrian Collections for the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Enjoy today's tip. Hello, everyone. Glenn the Geek back with you from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Well, today we have somebody new on the show for you, a new expert. His name is Dr. Brian Parrott. Uh, he is a veterinarian from Massachusetts. He received his Doctor of Veterinary Medicine degree from Tufts University School of Veterinary Medicine in 1987. Since graduating from veterinary school, he has been an equine practitioner on Boston's North Shore. In 1991, he founded Parrot Equine Associates. Uh, Dr. Brian's pro- uh, professional interests include sports medicine, lameness, podiatry, reproduction, and dentistry. A native of Rockport, Massachusetts, he grew up riding and caring for horses, and he enjoys polo and fox hunting in his free time. These tips were taken from episode number 82 of the Stable Scoop radio show. Dr. Parrott is our resident veterinarian over there for Helene and I at the Stable Scoop show. He comes on about every three months and uh, gives us some helpful, helpful hints and advice on various topics, and we thought what we'd do is include some of those on the Horse Tip Daily show over the next couple of months. If you want to listen to the whole show where this tip came from, go to stablescoop.com, episode number 82. And we'll get to that in just a moment, but first we have to speak about Equestrian Collections. Most people think about Equestrian Collections in relation to riding a tire and tack, but they also have a complete selection of barn uh, equipment, barn supplies, medical equipment, medical supplies, and, and things that you would normally associate with other companies. They have at Equestrian Collections. And we're getting into that fly spray time of year, the springtime, when, when you're going to need to be replacing some of the barn items in your barn and also stocking up on fly spray and uh, anti-fly stuff. Well, stop over to EquestrianCollections.com now for all of your barn fly spray needs for the spring. In addition to all the riding clothing and show clothing that you know you can find at EquestrianCollections.com. Now on to Dr. Parrott from the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Well, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I heard it's really beautiful in Lexington. Um, oh, not it sure is what it's like, like 65 today. Beautiful. It's, it's just about 60 here, too, in Rhode Island. Um, but it's definitely spring. So uh, I think one of the things that's on most people's minds are spring vaccines. And um, I know sometimes, depending on what barn you're in, um, some horse owners just go with whatever the barn recommends. So, Dr. Parrott, I'd like your opinion on what you think is uh, appropriate for spring vaccines. What's essential? Um, what's optional? And when should horses get them? Hi, Helena. It's sure good to talk to you again. <laughs> um, vaccines across the board, there are some that are pretty much standard across the North America, uh, United States. And there, then there are vaccines that um, can be used in uh, regionally um, or in target areas. And essentially, the spring vaccines have been labeled so because there are diseases in which we cover that are vector-borne, meaning they're carried by 
bugs like mosquitoes and things. And so the spring vaccines usually include those, but it's a good time just uh, in general, you know, people are getting back their activities with their horses to, and they want to take them to horse shows and uh, to move them around and uh, expose them to a lot of different things, including other horses. And um, preventative health care prior to all that activity um, and to the season is really, really uh, help, helpful to, and helpful to the horse um, to prevent disease. So the ones that are usual and standard um, that are recommended by the American Association of Equine Practitioners uh, pretty much across the United States are um, a tetanus shot yearly, um, encephalitis uh, vaccine, and there are three subtypes of encephalitis vaccines. And the most common in the United States, other than very small pockets down in the south, southeast United States, um, and, and probably the southeast and southern United States are equine and um, uh, encephalitis, uh, uh, eastern equine encephalitis, and western equine encephalitis. Two forms, serotypes that are distinctly different, uh, but are carried by mosquitoes in their region. So the vaccines have been um, developed so that they're in combination. The other subtype that is uh, less frequent but does occur in the southeast and south is the Venezuelan subtype, and occasionally we'll get mosquitoes carrying that subtype. And so in those regions, I usually add a, a um, Venezuelan equine encephalitis vaccine, and those can be bought as a three-in-one or, two, uh, or a two-in-one type of vaccine. Um, the other is rabies, uh, pretty much rabies across the board, except if you're in a state that is, is uh, rabies-free, um, needs to be given. And uh, in the Northeast, rabies came back, you know, at least 15 years ago, and uh, they're certainly in the South and the Southeast uh, United States. So uh, rabies is a good one to do at least annually. And then the, the one disease that has really come into um, exposure probably uh, seven, eight years ago, is West Nile virus. It's really spread across the United States fairly rapidly, having started on the east, in the east, in um, New Jersey, New York area, it moved up to the northeast and then spread to the south and uh, southeast and across the United States now. So those are the four, tetanus, encephalitis, rabies, and West Nile virus that are pretty much standard across the United States. So there are... Um, do you have any questions about those four? No, we're I'm I'm taking good. notes. <laughs> oh, great, good. Now there there are there's a lot of vaccines out there, and of course, uh, some people you know uh, are in an area that a lot of them need to uh, or all of them need to be done. But um, well, rabies areas, sounds pretty. You know, it, it, I mean, I think when you said rabies is back after for the last 15 years, I never actually thought of rabies as going away. I know that some um, some of these diseases. They go in cycles based on their the hosts that carry them. Yeah, right. right yes. Um, but I just rabies. I would never think to not vaccinate for because it is such a, you know, it gets the most press. It's it's scary. It's yeah. you know easy yeah. to transmit. Um, well, they, it, it's such a uh, it's such a deadly disease, and it is um, a disease that uh, crosses many mam- mammal species. So all mammals can get it. Um, and of course, it's uh, contagious uh, from animal to animal or mammal to mammal. Right. That um, it, we have a, a rat, uh, it has been eradicated in some regions, um, and of course, it's not present at all in, in, in um, Great Britain. 
Um, so there they don't even vaccinate. Um, so we ha- we were rabies-free in um, most of the New England states for years, and it was not highly recommended to vaccinate horses and large animals for that prior to the new on- onset of rabies. But now it has become um, very infrequent, but it's certainly considered endemic, um, and we do have rabies. So therefore, you know, all mammal species that there's a vaccine for uh, that that has been tested on those mammals. We're we're vaccinating those mammals with it. You know, we How? had a we had a big farm in uh, Pennsylvania, in the nine in the all through the nineties, and it was bad there. And it, any one of us who has had a farm where we had a rabid raccoon in the barn, I just shot it and. We had it tested, and of course, it was had rabies, and they came out, and they picked the horses out where they even thought that the raccoon was in the stalls there, and you know, all those horses had to be quarantined for what a pain. The raccoon was actually in the barn. <laughs> I was in the rafter, right, right in one of the stalls above one of my ponies. Well, how would they? How would a rabid? Uh, I mean, other than an, an all-out bite, I mean, is that how a raccoon would transmit it to a horse? Yes, it needs it needs to be basically um, direct contact. Uh, the organism is extremely uh, labile, which means very sensitive to heat and uh, uh, so temperatures and um, um, dryness and stuff. So it really needs to outside of the outside of the, the animal system. So the rate of the organism doesn't live in temperatures outside of the normal temperature span of a of a living organism or a living mammal. Okay, so once it's exposed to air and light, it, yeah. it starts so to, it doesn't... A, yeah, dead, uh, a, a dead ra- rabbit animal, uh, essentially 24 hours after its body has gotten cooled off, there's no organism alive in that, in that body. So it could essentially be in contact. You know, theoretically, it could be in contact. Boy, between this, between this conversation and some of the questions we have coming up, this is going to be a very... <laughs> this is going to be the gooey... <laughs> it's going to be the gooey gross-ass gooey event nasty, show. Nasty, <laughs> Um, now we did. I think what we, they had us do was the 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 pony that the horse or that the rabid raccoon was in that stall. They couldn't be sure, so that the state wanted that one and the stall next door. Yeah. Uh, those two horses had to be quarantined then. Yeah, that's uh, right. They quarantine and observe for a specific amount. Yeah, of time. it was a long time too, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. It can be. It can be several especially if they've been vaccinated before sometime in their life. But if they've been non-vaccinated, then um, it's a shorter period of time. Um, but it, there, there are mandates that are made by the Board of Health and um, uh, the, the state and federal board of um, uh, uh, disease controls that have looked at the disease quite closely. So it's best just to follow their recommendations. And it's a, it's a giant hassle. Is there anybody with dogs and cats knows that um, um, if an animal falls out of its vac- uh, um, those species, the dogs and cats in most states, are required by law to be vaccinated. Well, large animals and horses in general are not. So, mm-hmm. so um, you do not have to vaccinate your horse, but we, we highly recommend it because the same quarantine procedures are going to be placed on them if you did get an animal bite. You didn't know where it came from, especially if the horse, uh, you know, if there were wild animals around. Well, while we're on while we're on gory gross stuff, can I ask a quick question yeah. related to this, Helena? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also had uh, came in contact with a couple of foxes that had come down with mange. Is that something that can be transferred to a horse? Uh, yes. Well, um, 
it if it's the main if it's sarcoptic mange uh, well let me tell you this thing looked like a creature out of a horror movie uh, with all its hair gone and covered in scabs and had killed about five of our cats never ate them just killed them all um and we actually we're finding dead cats and we went up our, our, our barn was tough on cats um we went upstairs in the barn and this thing came out right beside us and it really freaked me out because it was like something out of a horror movie Aww. and we found it a, a day later dead on the on the property but uh what a what a nightmare that was and you sure well, it was it, it really had mange it yeah and, and mange and mange is pretty characteristic you know the the animals that have it are you know you if you can uh, get up close enough to visualize them or through a pair of, uh, of you know, um, binoculars, you can sometimes see it. But uh, they, it's very classic. They have this very, um, they're losing their hair. Their skin becomes very rough and arrugated um, so that it looks thickened and, um, and wrinkly. And it's hyperkeratotic. They're producing a lot of cells. There's a lot of dry, flaky skin. I'm telling you, it's something out of a horror movie, Dr. Perry. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they're, 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 a good part of their body will be uh, completely nude, and then yep. another part may have a tuft of hair here or there. Yep, they're exactly. Always, they're always thin, and they always look poor. You yep, know, that was it. Poor doers. And <laughs> it, it, it'll go through, and it's one of, you know, it's one of the diseases that you know, definitely controls the, the, the wildlife species because when it gets into a den or... Uh, through a group, of course, these uh, these are commu- these animals live in groups, and so it will go through a whole lot of them and and wipe them out because it it, it just it just causes them to be such poor doers. It just zaps their now. Whole. Is that the same thing? Do they have to actually bite the horse? Well, there's, you uh, said there were two kinds, right? There's no, there's... no. With the, with mange, mange is a is a para, is a uh, uh, skin parasite. It's it's uh, it's a mite that burrows its way under this uh, the epidermis under this uh, top layer of skins and gets into the dermis and migrates there and inflicts a tremendous inflammatory response the body tries to kill it it can't and um, it just uh, lives there feeding off of uh, debris and um, stuff that it's uh, that it's it's locked into and um, it's spread by contact so um, essentially if an animal Lays on the ground and rubs its hair and skin. It can it can actually shed some on the areas that it's laying down. So, some animals like dogs uh, is fairly common. They'll they'll go into a uh, fox den that had mange, and then they'll have it all over their face and their head. So um, so it can it it lives around the surroundings that the mangy animal lives, and so it can be picked up fairly easily. And and both um, yeah. So humans are not it's contagious across the board. Um, uh, most, most mammals can get it. Some some get it uh, less or more than others. How do they uh, people, treat it? People can get it. Oh, it's treated by um, uh, uh, usually um, topical medications, um, but uh, one of the best ones has been ivermectin, uh, the horse dewormer. Uh, you know, the dewormer that we use on, on all mammal species for one parasite or the other, but injections of ivermectin have been very, very helpful to kill off the organism. So it's become easier to treat. Once upon a time, they used to have to use um, uh, tremendous, uh, very irritating topical baths and scrubbing and, um, you know, things that caused a lot of irritation. It was very slow to heal the animal um, or person, for that matter. So now it's much easier to treat. 
Well, thank you to Dr. Parrott and my co-host, Helena B. from the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We're going to be playing more clips from that particular episode as we go down the line here. He had, he, Dr. Parrott's great at explaining the uh, technical veterinary stuff so that even we understand it. And as I said, if you want to listen to the rest of that show, we went through a number of topics. It's episode 82 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show at StableScoop.com. And you can find Dr. Parrott at ParrottEquine.com. That's P-A-R-R-O-T-T equine.com well thanks again everybody we appreciate you stopping by and don't forget you can check out all the other great shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com i'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip until then stay safe everyone